most people fail. Hello and welcome to episode 34 of What Most People Think. How how are you doing? We're, we're halfway into this. Who knows? How long have we been living like this? That is that's the question I don't know the answer to anymore. Can you cope with much more of this? Oh yeah, you your hero sitting there getting there, getting fat, you know, eating loads more takeaway than you would, drinking more than you you would. I mean, as war stories go, this isn't gonna be one to compete with your grandparents. Let's just get that out of the way that what the sacrifice, I mean, people talk about this as a war. They say politicians are having a good war. Journalists are having a good war. This this isn't a war, okay? Because uh, we're not allowed metaphors anymore, are we? Because, you know, when they said, the, you know, the left, when the Boris said that, when his supporters were saying that Boris was a fighter, they said, well, you shouldn't say that. You know, you shouldn't say Boris is a fighter. You say, all right, okay, Boris is battling. No, we shouldn't say he's battling because that implies people that don't get through it aren't battling. And you go, well, what the fuck else are you supposed to say about having coronavirus in? Or are you supposed to say, well, he's experiencing coronavirus? I, I reserve the right to inject some sort of uh, some sort of hero narrative into my view of how people are coping with the um, with the disease itself. I don't know, man. I have been... Um, I've realised that I shout too much on Zoom. I don't know if it's the, pro- the process of, uh, of doing this kind of thing, of trying to get myself heard, but I shout way too much on Zoom. I'm pretty sure I did one at a Zoom house party the other night, and I was largely muted at the times. Either that or people just stopped responding to what I was saying. I don't know if the host just muted me. I was getting a bit loud. But but this, one of the weird things about what's happening is that I've um, socially I've been getting I've been getting drunk a lot more, man. I've been I've been having like weekly, on the regular piss ups with my mates and a variety of friends as well. It's amazing how much. We need each other, you know. Uh, well, it's all, equally, it's amazing how much we don't need each other during normal times. And, um, you know, it, we've all had a few awakenings during this process. I was out, there's a nature reserve near where I live, and I was out there walking the dog, and uh, she was being a prick as usual. I, I tell you what, today, I, I had a busy day today, and she seems to sense when I need every minute that God is sending. And she will, she'll roll in swan shit on that day, absolutely guaranteed, right? We ran the nature reserve and it was like in the early evening, it was about 7pm and the sun was setting and the, the sky just looked so clear. I could almost see the clarity of the air in front of me and I could, I could smell it in the air as crisp as well, like a sweet, crisp, cool smell with zephyrs of warmth drifting in off the breeze and nature and, nature and wildlife just felt so emboldened and so visible and I thought to myself... I would, I would fuck all this off, like, immediately if I could just drive and get a KFC right now. I, I know that that doesn't make me, you know, a particularly evolved human being, but uh, but it's where I'm at. <laughs> it's where I'm at. I, I miss I miss normal life. I know there's a lot of environmentalists who say, look what we could have. And I'm like, yeah, well, we've all become fairly fat, depressed alcoholics just sitting in our houses. That's also what we could have. And I, I'm... Uh, uh, for one, I'm tiring of it. I'm tiring of it. Um, just a quick uh, introduction for anybody that's listened to this podcast for the first time. This is a podcast, you know, and there's not many comedians in the UK that are right of centre. Uh, there's a few now. There's a few. I'm one of them. And, you know, just coming at the news and social commentary and just everything from that angle, really, from the revolutionary angle of what most people think. I do do a weekly swear count where my good friend David Domain, who is a listener who just, I said this before, but his name is way too classy. It's way too classy. David Domain. He just sounds like a 70s 
pimp, <laughs> David Domain. David don't take no shit from his hoes. Uh, there you go. There's an example of where... Um, actually, that leads me into this quite aptly, as I do a swear count, or David helps me collate it. And this once at one point, I was trying to bring the swearing down, and then I sort of realised I'm just interested in as to how much I swear. So in the last episode, episode 33, there was one pissing, 11 fuckings and 4 fucks. And that's 15 fuck-related adjectives. One fucked, uh, three shits, one shitting, one wank, and a gobshite, which I think... I was surprised that I said that word. I don't know if I'm, you, you're the same as me, but I see certain um, I see certain words as kind of regional swear words. You know, like with Northerners, where they go, bellend, I like knobend, I like bellend, I like dickhead, I like dickhead. Uh, we can't say those words. But equally, if you're from the South, you can call people Muppets and it sounds a lot better. Shut up, you Muppet. Shut up, you Fraggle. <laughs> fraggle? Is that ever one? I don't know. Good programme, Fraggle Rock. Nice concept, well executed. Anyway, I just want to say a quick thank you to all my new VIP patrons. Thank you so much for everybody that signed up to the new Patreon thing. I've got to say, man, that was a real buzz to have people, um, to, you know, respond to that. I know it's a lot to ask in a, in a lockdown for a few quid to help keep this podcast weekly. Because we, we, we will get out of this. Of course we will. I'm an optimist. That's partly what I hope to bring to this podcast. And I just want to keep on doing this. And every person that signs up makes that more likely. So I'd say hello to some of the VIP patrons, Peter Miller, Paul Millman, Paul Brown, Rebecca Cracknell, James Rogers, David Maine, and Neil Wakefield. And Neil Wakefield, thank you to all those people. And if you want to sign up, I'll give this another hype in a while, but just go to Patreon, what most people think, uh, type that into search engine, search engine, look at my Twitter, or type Jeff Norcott into Patreon. Uh, and those those are the thank yous for this week. Thank you to all my new patrons. Thank you to the VIP patrons. Underwriting my lavish lifestyle of eating after eight minutes before breakfast every day. And and the fuck you. Well, this week it goes to it goes to quite a few people actually. So as I'm recording this, it's St George's Day. And for the last few years, I don't know about you, I've noticed that on social media there seems to be a class of people that always like to remind you, the moment you say it's St George's Day, they'll immediately go, what, St George? St George, who was born in Turkey and raised in Syria, who was Palestinian. What, St George? St George, who was uh, who had a German car. You know, St George, who, who lived for two weeks in fucking Tokyo. Or they say it every year. Do they not realise how clichéd they've become? Why, why can't we just, like, say it's St George's Day? It's our national day. Yes, maybe he was a bit mythical. <laughs> you know? Maybe he didn't slay a dragon. That's what I find so odd. These are people that probably think that they're quite intelligent. And they don't focus for one second about the fact that dra dragons are mythical. That's the whole point about it all, isn't it? National days are steeped in myth. You know, St. Patrick. St. Patrick was from Britain, right? St. Patrick, the League doesn't have mystical powers. Why can't, why can't you just celebrate your national day? I don't understand, man. I was looking around... Today, yes, uh, you know, a lot of Labour politicians, not hardly any of them. Keir Starmer, in fairness to him, Keir Starmer, he, he celebrated it, but it was uh, Corbyn, McDonald, Diane Abbott, Emily Thornberry. By lunch, none of them had said, you know, Happy St George's Day. And you think, well, they, I bet you in any other kind of religious celebrations or national days, they'd been falling over themselves to celebrate it. I th you know, because it is, it is arbitrary, isn't it? You know, like having a nation in itself, drawing like a fucking lying about a landmass and going, everyone there is English, everyone... It's kind of arbitrary, but that's the point, isn't it? I think England... I think England's a good country, right? It's, I think it's OK to celebrate that. That's what I think that the left sometimes misunderstand about English patriotism, is that 
it's not always like because they, they let it be defined for them they said well oh, I can't help but you know when I think of St George I think of the flag I think of football hooligans it's kind of racist in itself so you allow a tiny minority of people the people that you see on the news right those fucking idiots who go abroad for England football tournaments and just get hammered and get beaten up with you know <laughs> white garden furniture you've allowed that to form your view of a whole nation for me, why can't like, you just separate St George's Day from the political? Stop thinking about empire. It's a, a national day is like any national day. It's celebrating the people that live there, right? It's a, it's a good place to live. I think England is a great place to live. I think that it's, it's uh, dynamic. Yeah, it's diverse. That's part of what I like about it. It's great music. Do you know what I mean? We have great music. That was when we were leaving the EU. That was probably one of our biggest bargaining chips that we never, we never played with the EU. We said, well, you want to, we're going to leave. You know, we're taking, with us, we're taking, uh, taking Freddie Mercury. We're taking George Michael. We're taking Elton John. We, I've, I haven't even gone beyond gay blokes at this point in terms of how amazing English music is. There's probably someone right now going, well, actually, George Michael had, you know, Greek Cypriot heritage. I, I, I don't fucking, why do they just need to take away? They, they're so keen to celebrate Anything external from England, I don't get it. And it's a problem for the left, isn't it? Because the Labour Party, right? The Labour Party has not won the popular vote in England since 2001. And that's a huge issue. I don't see how you could win a majority in Parliament um, without winning the popular vote in England, right? But they but they just want to define themselves always as anti-establishment. And um, yeah, St George, I don't, I don't care. I don't care whether he existed, all right? I don't care. I don't care where he lived. I don't care if he lived in fucking Deptford. You know what I mean? Or he lived in Denmark. I don't care if he's the patron saint of other countries. All right? Good for him. He was clearly a good patron saint. He had a lot of work on, right? Surely we should be congratulating the fact that he he, he was a roving patron saint. He's like me. He's a comedian. He was a gun for hire. So, so happy St. George's Day. <laughs> Oh my God, maybe I'm part of the problem, do you know what I mean? I got on, and instead of just celebrating St George's Day, I've decided to enter into a culture war ran against the liberal left who can't bring themselves to just wish people St George's Day. And this is the point, right? My patriotism doesn't come from anywhere bad. It just comes from saying, I think it, I think I was lucky to be born here. I think it's a really good country. I think it's prosperous. And I think it would be ungrateful. It would be like, when you look at some of the poverty-stricken countries around the world, that, you know, to be born in England, you've had a touch. And, and celebrating St George's Day is just about saying, yeah, that, that was a touch. It's quite a nice place to live. Okay, just want to talk about the, um, just want to talk about the NHS here. Um, it's getting tricky here because is, is it me or is the, the NHS um, eulogising got slightly out of hand? I mean, this does happen every once in a while in this country. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, the people that are fighting coronavirus on the front line and risking their lives. And people, people have died because of this. I, I can't even express my gratitude and my admiration for people that are doing that. So let's just get that out of the way. But, but, but the NHS is, is not just those people. Do you? We're talking about some serious pen pushers. This is a huge hulking administrative body, right? It's not just the heroes on the wards. It's the other people, the... The procurement managers, right? The procurement managers who were, who are, who are now at the moment letting the government do the procuring for them. Um, we'll come on to that in a sec, actually. But no, let's talk about that right now. Is the 
for one, we've had this, this whole three-act play in this country whereby we've been climbing into the, the British government about their lack of comprehensive provision for PPV for all staff, right? Now, that doesn't mean that they haven't had any. And in fact, there have just been shortages in certain, of certain things in certain places at certain times, right? But that, that, should, they, that should never happen, okay? Anybody that's risking their life on the front line of NHS treatment should have exactly what they need. On the other hand, we spent a lot of time worried about being in a... Um, in a scheme for, NH, uh, for EU procurement of um, PPE. And even though, even though that scheme hasn't thrown up any PPE, has, they, haven't, they haven't sourced any PPE themselves. So we're sitting there, well, well, why aren't we in the scheme? Well, why the fuck hasn't it produced any PPE? The government, with these weird RAF flights out to Turkey, Jesus, they might be bodging it, but they're coming up with something. The EU, after all this time, haven't come up with a single fucking apron. Do you know what I mean? Not even a comedy one with tits on. So I think it's weird. There's a double negative there. It's like I'm, I'm unhappy about not being in the scheme that hasn't produced anything. So maybe that means that you're happy about it. I don't know. And I thought it was funny. It was funny as well with uh, Boris coming out of um, coming out of hospital and people saying, as, you know, in terms of his view of the NHS, oh, now he gets it. Oh, now he understands. See, yeah, that's right, Boris. That's what it's all about. And you think, hang on. In 2019, at the end of three or four months ago, five months ago, right, he went into an election campaign. On part of his ticket was increased spending for the NHS, right? He'd already done that. And then when this crisis started, the government pledged extra money again, right, in the initial emergency budget, right? So I don't, I don't necessarily buy that, that Boris just woke up one day and was like, oh, my God, I've suddenly realised that the NHS is quite valuable. I mean, the whole government strategy has been about protect the NHS. They've even put it before save lives. Protect the NHS. Oh, yeah, save lives. I would argue anything if the government had slightly overdone it in terms of their, their fawning love for the NHS. And just a little, little stat here. A little stat here is the last uh, British Prime Minister actually to cut uh, the NHS budget in cash terms was Jim Callaghan, you know, Labour. Now, I'm not saying that the, the Tory, you know, the, the budget's... In terms of we've had a growing population and they haven't necessarily kept pace with that. I understand that in real terms that might be a cut. But this idea, yet again, that the Tories, you know, the NHS is, is four days from being on its knees. I, I, you know, this, this podcast is called What Most People Think. And one of the things that I think has been underestimated is it, about this crisis was going into it. People's biggest fear was that we wouldn't have capacity, right? That was one of the biggest fears. And, and as things stand, it seems like we will, at its peak, we will not uh, exceed capacity. So I think that that will be put down um, as a win for the government, right? The government have done... All right, let's do a checklist of where we think the government have done well or badly. Given that on Twitter and on social media and in left-wing comedy, everything seems to be that it's been one long clusterfuck. Let's, uh, let's assess it, right? So I think that they, did they go into lockdown too slowly? As Keir Starmer said at question time, God, everyone was up in Keir Starmer's arse, weren't they? They're going, yeah, he's really good on his feet. You know, he's really good at the dispatch box. He, he, he got a knighthood for being a lawyer. How? I mean, that's the one thing. <laughs> that is the one thing that he can bring to the table for Labour is that, he, you know, he's quite good at cross-examining people. Can you imagine if he just got up and had zero game whatsoever? You know, asked Dominic Raab a question. Dominic Raab fluffed it and he's like, okay, all right, that's fine. I'll just sit down again. That is the one single thing that he can do, you know? And, and he said that the government were, he, he, he alluded to a number of things that the government was slow to do, right? Some of them were fair points. But when he said the government was slow to enter lockdown, you think, well, fair enough, Keir, fair enough. But are you saying 
that you disagree with the the chief medical bodies in the country, the people with the, the access to the most responsibility and the most data. Because I, I bet you any money, if you put that question back to Keir, he goes, "No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just I just want to imply it." You know what I mean? No, 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 I'm not saying, God, you're just reading too much into it. I just said we were slow into lockdown. So you're saying we were wrong to be that slow. No. Oh, my God, Mr. Paranoid. I'm just saying we should have gone into it soon. What, what's that? You disagree with Chris Whitty? Absolutely not. This is not the time to question public servants. But he's smart. He's smart. The problem with Keir Starmer is not Keir Starmer. He's capable. He's a decent bloke. He's intelligent. It's the nutters behind him. It's the nutters behind him, and you know, so we're, we're now in this stage, and I know that most, but there must be other people that think this, that the way that we're talking about the NHS is, is, is got a bit ridiculous. I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, the clapping, it's all nice, but I don't know, I've seen like where I, when I walk around where I live, there's kids who've drawn loads of NHS murals, and you think it's almost achieved this mythical status, and we pay for it, okay? It's not a miracle, we pay for it. It's not, it's not free. All right, people often say that it's free. It's free. I wish it was free. It's not. It comes out of your tax, and it's good value. But it's not free. I mean, Netflix is good value. What's that? That's cheaper than the NHS. Ask me at this point, what would I prefer? I don't know, man. It's a tough call. But what I'm saying is, it's the same people that talk about British exceptionalism, right? You've seen a lot of these arguments uh, lurking around that the Brits. We were a bit slow to pick up on the risks posed by coronavirus because apparently we think we're we're all you know we're all superhuman. Or something, um, but they're the same people that will then talk about. Uh, they're the same people who will then talk about RNHS as though it couldn't be beat ever by anything, you know. British exceptionalism, but RNHS is the best thing that's ever happened to civilization, uh, even though no other country has, has has adopted the exact same model. You know what? It's so amazing. It's so amazing that people don't don't try and copy it because it would just be an insult to a perfect thing. It'd be like a bad copy of the Mona Lisa. That's why. And, you know, everyone, everyone, everyone like bums up the... Um, bums up? That's a 1980s phrase out of nowhere, isn't it? Hey, you, you, you're a bum chums. Yeah, reckon chinny boo, old man. Yeah, they don't, want to, they don't want to talk about the way that the German model is funded, which is that uh, there's state money and then the rest of it is split between the employer who pays 75% and the employee that pays 25% towards a, a, a private insurance, right, which is, which is done by non-profit making companies. I'm like, I'm, I'm all up for that. You want to start. You want to keep salivating over the German model, a much more decentralized model. Then, then let's have that chat. Let I, I'll be all over that. I just think it'd be nice of the NHS. I think it'd be good for British people to see exactly what it costs. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you know when they started unpackaging like airline things. You suddenly realise that luggage is actually a big, a big part of it. We suddenly start realising. Oh yeah, the fact that a lot of us are. Getting you know causing avoidable illnesses to ourselves. Maybe that's why it's so fucking expensive. You know what I mean? I think that a little... Maybe we should... I, I went a bit Cornish there. I think that, right? You know what I think? You know what my view is? What most people think? Is that maybe, maybe we should have to take responsibility for one part of our body. You know? <laughs> just like... You just take that out of the mix. You go, my right elbow, that's on me. Anything happens to that, I pay for that. How much care would you take over that elbow then? Hmm? Would you be doing things that endangered it? I don't think you would. So look... God bless the NHS staff who are taking risks and going in. Because even going into work is an act of bravery. But my God, let us not mistake that with the huge, hulking, lumbering organisation that, that is the rest of the National Health Service. 
Okay, so just uh, giving a hype on the Patreon again. I thank you again to the people that signed up for that. If I keep saying thank you, it's going to annoy you, isn't it? He's going, all right, Jeff, it's already quite desperate that you're doing Patreon. Just rein it in a bit. But just so you know, there will be genuine benefits coming to those people. Because here's the thing between you and me. Because the Patreon content is hidden behind a paywall, um, I can basically upload... I shouldn't be admitting this. Upload stuff that I don't necessarily have copyright permission for. So let's just... Let, I could do that. I'm not saying I am doing that. I'm just saying I could do that. Um, so by the time this has gone up, already earlier this week, we had the full access to the full 35-minute edit of my traditionalism tour for 2018. And by the time earlier today, this is Thursday the 23rd, happy St. George's Day. Um, was that all right? <laughs> my racist? Did, I, did my hair fall off? Did I suddenly become a skinhead? Have I got a white van? Do I hate people from abroad, including members of my own family? Um, is, is, yeah, the, the, I put up a video today from the current tour so this is this is footage that i own so I, can, I can just put it up you know and there will be stuff there'll be articles there'll be all sorts of stuff i'm just starting to explore what we can do here and the more people join the more i can do uh there's a few more patrons giving a shout out to uh these are for the what most people who are fans of round numbers pay tier which is the most clunkily named tier for any patreon tier julian smart christina patrick close sorry i've absolutely butchered your name there from from having just talked about stereotypical English patriots, I've then just got what looks like it could be a foreign surname completely wrong. That's embarrassing. And Nicholas Stanhope. God, that was a save. Thank God the next one was the most English of all English names. Now I'll probably get a message from Nicola going, All right, Jeff, I'm no fucking English, all right? I fucking withdraw my Patreon funding. No! What most people think. Let's talk now about how successful the government strategy has been. God, I didn't finish my thing in the previous section, did I? Sorry, I don't normally bleed between things here, but these maybe these do relate a bit. Is the, So I think that the government, um, I don't think that they were slow to go into lockdown. I think that they did it at the right time. They had to make sure that the British public understood what we were doing. Because if they just launched into it, you know what British people are like. We just got so that We just carried on. We would not have fucking observed it. We needed to be a bit scared when we went into it. And I know people keep going about, what about the Cheltenham Festival? What about the Liverpool game? You're like, yeah, you know, I mean, those are in the wider scheme of the country, you know, quite small numbers of people. And we did, and this is a controversial, herd immunity, which is still a scientific concept. It didn't just go away because the left got a bit hysterical about it. We do need a number of people to get this and recover from it, right? Controversial. What's that? But that's eugenics. No, it's, it's what the experts think. It's what the experts think. I have, so strange, man. So I know I'm a bit freewheeling this week, but... Going from the, you know, all the Brexit years of people saying, just listen, Jeff, just listen to the experts. And I'm going, okay, and this, I, I, I'll, I'll listen. They go, no, no, not those experts, Jeff. No, no, not the main ones. My experts, this guy is a professor. He's from India. He's amazing. Anyway, anyway so, so they did that well going into lockdown. I think that the messaging, stay at home, protect the NHS, save lives, obviously stuck. I think the, the early package... The oh the early <laughs> um, for um, the economy from Rishi Sunak was was good. I think that that reassured a lot of people. I think that the PPE stuff has been bad. Uh, I think that the 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 mis you know the the mixed and misleading and frankly bullshitty communications over whether or not the government wanted to join join the EU ventilator scheme. The lack of sourcing new ventilators is 
is another one. I don't know if anybody saw me on a mash report, but I was talking about the fact that we'd actually got some from um, from the set of Holby City, which on the one hand, yeah, it does make you think, God, why are we relying on that? And then you think, well, fucking hell, the BBC have got some money, haven't they? <laughs> I mean, is that TARDIS? How big is it? Because can the TARDIS actually travel through time? Um, and then, yeah, of late, I think, you know, they do rely on Boris as a bit as their kind of spiritual leader. So since he's gone into hospital, it has seemed to have lacked uh, a steering wheel. I think Dominic Raab is, yeah, he's not the most exciting guy, is he? I think Michael Gove is a bit more convincing. Um, but yeah, I think they started well. I think they started well. As, as far as the numbers go, you know, of course, left-wing Twitter is going to talk about raw numbers without applying, you know, how many deaths per million there are. And without applying population density, you know, they're going to get all, God, I'm ranty this week. I know, that I, I, I sort of tried to step off all the political arguments and all the cultural, but fuck me, they've been winding me up recently. Just because so many people just clearly see it as a, I wonder if we could get rid of the government through this. Am I wrong? Is that, is that the most cynical thing I've ever said? Or are there people trying to build a narrative in which they think that this government, that four, four or five months ago, they never thought they could get rid of for five years, that there might be some way of getting them out of office early. And I'm not saying that's all people on the liberal left or the left, but I feel like it's some. I do feel like, have I gone mad? Am I now like this tin hat right winger? I don't know. I forgot what the fuck I was talking about there as well. Oh yeah, the message, Michael go, yeah, of late, you know, it's come unstuck a bit, but I think that people will remember, oh yeah, the deaths per million, he says, it's such a grim time, isn't it? Uh, and people are getting very excited about New Zealand. They go, look at New Zealand though, look at New Zealand, I, I love, I, I so much heart, Julia Goliard, whatever her fucking name is, you know, she's just saying they've only had like two deaths. What, New Zealand? It's, with this boy is there, about six people and some hobbits live there. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, would, I wouldn't expect transmission on an island where, do you know what I mean? Like, you'd have to fly to go and see your next-door neighbour. Is that right? People in Auckland and Wellington right now going, Ah, oh, fuck off, Chief. Fuck off. Some of our cities, mate, are quite fucking populated. But, yeah, Ian from Scotland, he's asked, basically, do we think that the country is ready to go back um, to work, you know, have we become used to this? And and, and have, have the press and the media, like Sir Piers Morgan, overplayed the hysteria to a point where we're going to struggle to get people out of the house? Well, there's certainly polling that would suggest that would be true. Ian, a lot of us have got used to this, right? A lot of us, I got used to it to a point, you know, I spoke last week about getting up, you know, because I don't have to commute. I don't have to commute. So there's that bit of the morning where I can piss about. I can piss about. Who here, who else here is on... Second breakfast is now just the standard thing that you do, okay? I go cereal first, maybe a bit of toast around 10, 11. Uh, I'm eating a lot. I'm watching a lot of films. Um, if, you know, do you think, if my Patreon kicked off, do you think I would ever fucking step on stage? I know I would. I would. I'm not going to do the online gig. And all respect to comedians that have found a way to make that work. But I just, I just can't, I just can't, I just can't stand there and do... Yeah, set up punch. Unless there's a way of getting like a weird virtual audience, like get a weird virtual headset. And at that point, I'd probably just think maybe there are more important things than comedy. I mean, there's lots of people in this country who work for the state. So if you're on public money, you've got no worries, have you? I mean, you've never heard of loads of teachers just getting laid off. <laughs> never been mass. I know there's been some redundancies for teachers, but like if there was a, like a full money, but for mass teachers, <laughs> it's like some kind of... British comedy, feel-good comedy about just this bunch of middle-class maths teachers from the southeast. They've just been laid off, and they just try and they just try and incorporate their cocks into 
<laughs> some some piss poor act involving long long division. Oh my god, that'd be their name, wouldn't it? The long dividers. Oh, that sounded way worse than I meant it to. I mean, the truth is, is that you know the British lockdown has been arguably too successful. You know, I mean, this thing that that, that ultimately we could find out has a mortality rate less than standard seasonal flu has been made to seem like this bogeyman, like that if you get it, you're, you're going to be in serious trouble. Most people haven't. Most people won't. You know, it all depends on age, but it's hard to see that. You know, I, it's, we become detached from the stats. When I think that I had it or when I thought I had it, I told my mates that I thought I had it and they were all like thoughts and prayers, hashtag pray hands. I, I wasn't even scared up to that point. And then, and then I started looking at the ratios, you know what I mean, the bar charts and... But it's going to be tricky. It's going to be tricky when we go back to work first. Who should, who should have to go back to work first? Well, I think in the spirit of equality and privilege, women. Because women are way less at risk from this disease. And I think women have always been asked, uh, you know, when's their time? You know, it's the age of women now. Yeah, it is. Go on. Go on, love. There <laughs> you go, to work. Go on, you, you test the water. <laughs> you know, we're going we're gonna to have to be like... Um, we're gonna to have to be coached back into it. We're gonna have to, we'll have to have like really long lunches, like like you did when you were a kid. We'll have to put down little mattresses in the office so we can all have a little nap. Just. <laughs> okay, we've got uh, we've got letters here. Here's a question: If you've got a mate who's self-employed and has done pretty well for himself, nice car, place in Spain. I mean, this sounds hypothetical, but there's almost certainly that you're thinking very specifically of someone whose success has pissed you off. Uh, when you go out of him, he always pays in cash, whereas everyone else is card. Uh, you know that maybe he has not told the tax man about his payments in cash. Is this a coded way of tipping me off about a tax avoider? Well, we'll talk off air. And the government self-employed help is based on his tax return. He's not happy. Um, not sure if I should feel sorry for him or in some ways think, well, you should have paid your taxes. Look, I mean, this is a conversation I've heard happening. Um, it's certainly within my industry. I've heard, it's not the kind of thing you discuss in an online forum, but comedians have variously broke out into WhatsApp groups. And yeah, yeah, the people that didn't pay tax, what a, what a shitty situation to, to, to be in. But I, I have always, despite, you know, look, this is one of the presumptions, isn't it? Like if you're right wing, that you're naturally a tax avoider. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I don't pay any more than I, than I should. You know what I mean? I don't overpay tax, but I declare everything. I declare everything because I, I remember the first time that I went to get my first mortgage after I'd left teaching, right? So when I, left, when I was in teaching, I mean, they were just falling over to give you mortgages when you're a teacher because as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, they, just, they, they never get made redundant. Do you know what I mean? You're always going to have work. I mean, let's be honest, with a growing population, you're always going to have clients, aren't they? You always have little sheds needing to learn stuff. So I got used to, during that period that I was a teacher, that, that they were flinging mortgages at me. Like, Jeff, do you want another mortgage? Oh, just let us know, man. We're here anytime. Any kind of mortgage you need. Just uh, any, any of your friends need mortgages, Jeff? Um, and then the moment I went full-time as a stand-up, um, there, that, that fucking fell off a cliff. That fell off a serious cliff. I, I had income, but they were just like, well, look at all your deductions. And I, and, then, and I looked at the mileage that I was doing. At that time, I was doing the most mental mileage. I remember once, I, well, this is while I was still a teacher, I did a gig. So I finished teaching in Bedfordshire at about half three and I had to drive to Truro, right, for nine o'clock, do two gigs, finish at 11, drive back to Bedfordshire, right? And I remember I got into my house about six in the morning. I just laid down 
and I stared, I stared at the wall and I, I must have slept or just shut my eyes for about 40 minutes and then I got up and I left before my wife got up. So it, since my, my wife had gone to bed at nine o'clock, since she'd gone to bed, I would, I'd done two gigs in Truro and drove all the way back and I got up to go to work, right? And, and it was so surreal when I got to work. It wasn't, it wasn't big or clever what I did. You know, I was, just wasn't in control. And I remember I was, I was teaching a class and I, I, I just remember a feeling coming over me like quite peaceful. And maybe it's what it's like when you're going to die. But um, then I just woke up and I just looked and there was these 30 real bright eyed kids looking at me. I was like, what, what happened there? They said, you fell asleep. I was like, yeah. And then I remember they're a top set. And the thing about top sets that's really good is you can sort of bully them, you know? They, uh, they're very, they're obedient and you can use that to, <laughs> to your own advantages. So I basically threatened them. I said, anyone tells anyone, uh, I'm going to reduce your predicted grades. I didn't say that, but it ran through my mind. If I had said it, it would have worked. The truth is, the way that I turned myself around that day was I went to the staff room and I uh, saw one of the PE teachers there and uh, as usual doing fuck all right and um he just said to me I have a big glass of very cold water and a shit uh, and i did and i was uh i was fine for the rest of the day this is a, a letter from a guy called henners i think it's a guy uh, from Gravesend. Henners says hi jeff hope you're well i'm enjoying your podcast thank you mate uh, I thought you'd enjoy this observation I had about modern day bingo. I like this. This is nothing to do with coronavirus. Thank you. I was on holiday in Hartlepool in early March and me and a mate decided to head to the Mecca bingo on a Saturday night. You fucking rock and roll nutbag. What are you doing? I was on holiday in... Let's just... Uh, sorry, let's unpack this a little bit. I was on holiday in Hartlepool. I don't, does anybody do that? Does anybody... Has anybody ever gone on holiday? Am I missing something here? Is this kind of like... Is, is it going like, oh, Jeff... It has got a seaside, hasn't it? Because they, they hung the monkey. Everyone in Hartlepool right now is going, stop talking about the fucking monkey hanging. And what I also know is at the same time, there's always a lot of people that don't know about the monkey hanging. So if you don't know about Hartlepool and monkey hanging, uh, just pause the podcast for a minute, go and Google that and enjoy it. And let's keep the prejudice against Hartlepoolians going. The, on a sidebar, people in the North East have got the best uh, nicknames, haven't they? Hartlepool's monkey hangers. Uh, Middlesbrough is smog monsters because of all the pollution. Uh, Sunderland is Macombs. Um, Newcastle's Geordies. And South Shields, I think, is Sand Dancers. Sand Dancers. I sounded very sudden there. Sand Dancers. I mean, you've got the campus one of all those nicknames, don't you? Oh, fucking Sand Dancers. Look at the fucking Sand Dancers out there. Uh, but anyway, so you went on holiday at Hartlepool. Went to a bingo on a Saturday night. Um... Yeah, I, I went to bingo with my mum, not knocking bingo. Saturday night, how do people get fucked up on a Saturday night at a bingo? You know what I mean? Just doing shots and stuff. I mean, it's just house, just call it ah. <laughs> and then when they say house, then some house music kicks in. Is that, is that a bad? That was a terrible joke. Anyway, however, when I got there, it turns out the entire game is all done on a tablet. Yeah, doing it on a tablet. This was fucking rave o'clock, wasn't it? You pill monster. Probably not that kind of tablet. Um... So it's all done on an iPad uh, when numbers are automatically... What? The numbers are automatically marked off as they're called... Where's the fun in... Your next sentence is exactly what I was thinking. Where's the fun in that? Me and my mate are now staunchly anti-modern bingo. Well, no wonder, Henners. That's a, that is a disgrace. I'll put that up there with the fact that no one tackles anyone anymore in football and that no one ever has fights. That... 
Bingo. Of all the things that you wouldn't think would go down, the sanitised, risk-averse, fucking nanny state bullshit would be bingo, right? The element of jeopardy and bingo is that you might miss it. That's what, not just will I win, but will I remember? Will I realise that I've won? That is, my mum, God rest her soul, she heard that. In many ways, I'm glad that she didn't live to see that. <laughs> you think that's dark? That is, that's, an, that's no worse than anything my old dear would have said. Uh, she had the most bleak sense of humour. She's uh, She was in a wheelchair and uh, her nickname was Jan the Pram. Um, that was a nickname that she gave herself. Hey, uh, P.S. There's a little P.S. here. What football team do you support, Jeff? I'm genuinely intrigued. It's AFC Wimbledon, you know. AFC Wimbledon. We're, all, we're quite um, self-congratulatory AFC Wimbledon fans because we're real football. Who do you support, everybody? Sorry, not as good as AFC. We are morally... We're like the Palestine of world football because we had... A, a story where we are disinherited and, you know, probably Jeremy Corbyn likes us. Um, yeah, AFC Wimbledon. We're everyone's second team, but not enough people's first team. I think we could do with a few more fans. Uh, yeah, AFC Wimbledon. And we are, as, as we talk, there's discussion over whether or not the football season will end. I hope it does, because I worked out earlier, because we were one place above the relegation zone, game in hand, three points ahead, but our goal difference was better. So I think if it ends now... What an inglorious way that would be to stay up. That would be the word. We are staying. You know, you see the fans. Like when we stayed up at Bradford a few years ago, it was such an achievement. This would be just like no one making eye contact. We are. Yes, don't. Um, should we just move on? Okay, that's the end of the show. Uh, apart from uh, just shouting out to a few uh, what most people pay Patreons, the £3 a month posse. Uh, they're all Andy's. No, they're not. Uh, Alan Guy, Andy Lawrence, and Andy Poland. Thanks very much for your support. And listen, man, I'll give as many shout-outs as I can. And look, whatever you're paying, I know everyone's uh, financial situation is different, so I appreciate any support through the Patreon. Yeah, Jeff, we get it. Stop talking about it. No, no, I'm not going to stop talking about it. I've got this dream. I've now decided that I don't want... I don't want to... Um, I don't want to fucking... You know, I want to sit in my house. Do you know what I mean? I want to... Just want to watch Disney Plus and then just come down to my studio like this. Those of you that have listened to this podcast for a while will probably realise that right now I'm padding again because I'm going to go and see if we've had any new reviews. Another thing is keep the five-star reviews coming in, please, on uh, iTunes. It helps keep it keep it up there. Well, when I say keep it up there, I mean basically my um, <laughs> fucking arsehole. The first review, so I'm always begging for five-star ratings. The first podcast rating I've got here is from R.W. Barron that says, great podcast, I posted a three-star rating just to piss people off. Well, okay, you made me laugh, but it's also a bit going. <laughs> but it's funny. Uh, this is uh, from Southern But Northern Lass. I love to listen to Jeff while doing the ironing and the cooking cook, cook, oh, uh, and the washing up. Now I sound like a Saki feminist, which I guess I am, but a Saki feminist that genuinely does enjoy Mr. Norcott's podcast. Keep them coming... I've got a massive pile of ironing to get through. Well, I hope you realise this Southern but Northern lass is that stay on top of the housework, love. Yeah? Because you can pile up and you don't want to be going back into the world. You know, you want your husband's shirts to be ready for him when he goes back to... Well, I'm basically thinking of 1950s America here. But, um, uh, but yeah, there is... What was I going to say? There's, oh, yeah, haircutting. Does anybody notice how haircutting is just a woman's responsibility in lockdown? There's no explanation for it. Just to... Babe, you got... I said it's my wife. Babe, you got to cut her son's hair. She's like, why? There's a woman stuff. I don't really know why. 
Um, this is from Merrillus. Uh, it says, good company when I'm walking the dog. Five stars. Can you do them daily? Uh, I'm walking the dog a lot in lockdown as I live in the country on farm and could do a more decent podcast for the company. Thanks for doing them. So nice to hear an alternative view to the smug twats on the box. I love a late swear word. Uh, I can't do them daily. I would love to do them daily. I have got other stuff on this. Something that I'm writing, which I'm looking forward to telling you all about, but um, I can't tell you yet. Um, but yeah, I, I weekly, I'm, I'm trying to keep them up weekly. I might do an additional one next week if I can get a guest, actually. And that's just for you, Merrillus. But do join up to the Patreon. Um, I can't watch it anymore. So this is Gary R. Miles, and he says, my alternative to TV news. I can't watch it anymore during the coronavirus. TV news, that is. Just 30 minutes of whining, whinging, blame-seeking briefings, armed with hindsight, but no knowledge, and interviews with a series of victims complain what they have and haven't got, and it's all the fault of the awful government. Jeff's podcast matches much more closely to the truth and the reality of life in Britain today. It does what it says on the tweet, Tim. I hope he gets his own primetime TV slot soon. Me and you both, but who knows what that would be, Gary, in lockdown Britain. Primetime TV slot, it might mean that I can afford to do, I can have a pop shield for the microphone. I probably popped, literally, as I said that. Um, and this is one more we'll read here. Um, after I got Dave, this from Dave, after seeing comedy go more and more left wing and woke, this is a refreshing change. And I'm a Labour member. Hey, listen, Dave, I get, you know, plenty of people like yourself. Uh, you know, the Labour Party is a broad church. You know what I mean? You, there's, there's socialists that didn't like Corbyn. It's a very complicated place. And I, I do think that with Keir Starmer, some of the things he's doing are probably the right idea. Like he gave an interview to the Mail on Sunday. But what, the, 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 part of, the membership aren't going to take that, are they? What? You're speaking to the, the hate on Sunday, are you? Keir Starmer, you disgust me. What try, how dare you try to win back the Labour heartlands and actually speaking to the people that jumped ship at the last election. Do you know who you should be speaking to? You should be speaking to Iranian state television. That's who you should be speaking to, like Jeremy. Because Jeremy was good. I don't know why.